So last week I, I talked about uh, uh, in, or introduced the subject of justice, and I'm going to extend that and talk about how how people might respond to that, uh, including how how maybe we should respond to that idea that that God is just. And next week I'm going to talk about peace, and I, I argued that th- these are related concepts. And I probably don't have to argue that. Uh, the Bible treats them as related concepts. Other cultures have treated them as related concepts, and our culture does right now. Uh, this justice and peace. And so last week I said that the Bible describes justice as, as emanating from who God is. And first of all, that he is holy. And being holy primarily means that he He's unique in the universe and, and separate. He is the, the only one like himself. Uh, and that's particularly important in the sense of his, his purity and his freedom from evil, his separateness from evil. So God is holy and, uh, and then, and, and righteous and just, uh, and just means uh, living out right living, right living in this world. Uh, so living out God's righteous standards and um, living out his holiness. And I think Isaiah caps, captures it well here and for a couple of different reasons. But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice and is, uh, and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. And so these concepts, uh, which are probably nearly identical uh, of justice and righteousness, and and he shows himself this way, and he exalts himself this way, and and we exalt God by living out his righteousness, his holiness through justice, through living rightly in this world. But I'm going to expand upon that. And this is where we ended up last time. Is that you know clearly the Bible uh, affirms that God is just, but but many do not, and um, and a couple of the arguments go like this: that that justice is not evidenced in the world. If God rules this world, uh, justice is not evidenced in this world because we see all the time that the wicked prosper and the faithful suffer. And I think if we paid attention to some of the things we say and how we think, we, we discover that we think like this uh, pretty often, that it's just not right that I, uh, you know, I did this and I did it for the Lord. And, and then my car broke down on the way home or something, right? That this is just not fair. You know, everything should have been fine. And, and uh, we're not promised that, but, but that can be, that's cited that it just, justice doesn't, um, really exist in the world, or that let's look and see what the Bible says about God and what he believes and what's right. And, and it, it often is unfair and even immoral. Uh, that's an argument made by, by many. Uh, and so the question is, like, how do we respond to this? Okay. But uh, I want to cite two examples that we find in scripture. One is of Job and the other is um, Habakkuk. So uh, where where both of these guys and these are good guys and these are good guys in very tough circumstances. So we're not going to be too hard on them, but but they do think like this. 
or at least for a little while, they thought under their circumstances, uh, difficult circumstances. So a few passages from Job in in chapter 19, verse 7, Job says, "I, I cry out violence, but I'm not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. And then chapter nine, he, he, God multiplies my wounds without cause. Though I am blameless, he would prove me perverse. He destroys both the blameless and the wicked. These accusations against God. He mocks at the calamity of the innocent. Except Job's not asking a question. He's saying he mocks at the calamity of the innocent. He covers the faces of his judges. And if not he, who then? He's in charge. And then toward the end of his book, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. So Job is thinking like this. Uh, God does not care about evil in the world um, or he doesn't have the power to stop it. God is is not just or, or he doesn't care about justice. I am equipped, you know, I put on righteousness, my justice, right? I am equipped to decide what is right and what is wrong. So Job has, uh, uh, has made these kinds of statements. He had this sort of thinking. Okay. And another case, Habakkuk, it says this, uh, right at the beginning of the book, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence. Now, Job is pretty much at the beginning of Old Testament history, and Habakkuk is at the toward the end of it, and they they're saying the same thing: violence. And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? These are strong accusations against God. And remember, Habakkuk is living at a time when um, things were about to get much worse. Maybe, maybe there was prosperity, but there was evil in uh, in Judah and Israel, and um, and uh, calamity was coming. And and he then says, "So the law is conclusion. The law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. This is the state." of my world. And it was, it was, uh, you are, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So these two guys are looking at their world and they're in very tough circumstances. And these are the conclusions they're drawing about God. And this is happening today. God sees injustice and doesn't respond to it. <clears throat> the wicked prosper and God can do nothing about it. There's confusion and dismay. Uh, and why does God not rescue his followers? So two good guys, uh, but, but thinking like this, is God really just? The Bible claim, declares him to be just. And it's, uh, it's an important feature of God. Uh, but Why? So that's what we want to address is really how do we respond to this? Um, and I think there are two options. Either uh, God lacks an interest in justice, the power to do justice, 
uh, or maybe even a, a sense of justice that, that makes sense. God lacks these things. Uh, or maybe there's no God at all. That would, that would be another conclusion. And, and this is happening in this world. We may know people. Or uh, there is an alternative. There, there's a deeper understanding of God and, and his sense of justice than I'm appreciating. Is that possible? Of course, that's possible. And this is what Calvin, a quote from Calvin last time, is that when we use our human sense of justice to God, to judge God's sense of justice, we are going to get in trouble in our thinking. Okay. So what kinds of responses? How do we respond? Well, maybe God has a plan. Maybe there's a plan that God has that I don't understand. So for Habakkuk, um, Continuing in the first chapter, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. God speaking, God responding. For I am doing work in your days that you would not believe, if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Okay, they're going to come and take away Judah. God had a plan. Uh, um, and Habakkuk ultimately replies, <clears throat> um, and by the way, Billy Graham built a, a sermon around this verse uh, that is applicable today. And it's been playing on Facebook and other places that uh, I am doing work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. So God does tell Habakkuk <clears throat> and he responds, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. See, God had a, Habakkuk saw things and they were real, but it made him question God and his justice. And so God tells him, okay, so I'm doing, I'm taking away your people, this great nation. And, um, and, and Habakkuk trembled at that knowledge. And Job, Job never really sees the backstory. And, and we know what it is because the narrator shares it with us at the very beginning of the book. Uh, when the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, at the end of all of this, 40 chapters later, <clears throat> then Job has more understanding and he answers the Lord and says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. See, God had a plan. God had a plan that they didn't know about. And that's going to happen. And so <clears throat> Habakkuk insisted on knowing what that plan was and then probably regretted learning what it was because he lived unhappily. Maybe it was the rest of his life waiting for God's plan to roll out over the next few years. And Job complained bitterly and maybe he wishes he hadn't. If he had just trusted God that, well, maybe he has a plan. There's something I don't understand about God and what he's doing in the world. And why is he not responding? Or why is he doing these things? They seem unjust to me. Well, maybe he's got a plan. Okay. And I think we could think this way because 
uh, God has a great mind. I mean, he, if we accept that he is the creator and all of this natural stuff around us and even the stuff that we built, um, that he did all of this, we've got to respect his intelligence. We've got to ex- respect that. God has a great mind. And many scriptures say this, you know, can you find out the deep things of God? I mean, Zophar wasn't uh, a good thinker all the time, but this is pretty good. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the almighty? Okay, rhetorically, no. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who is known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Okay, respecting God's mind and how he thinks for his thoughts for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord for as high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts we have to believe this that that god is a much better thinker than we are and that maybe maybe there's something we don't know or maybe there's something he understands better than we do. And I mean, it's arrogant to think otherwise. And so trust him if we don't understand his justice. Well, why is this working this way? I know that it will be well with those who fear God, but it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. This is, this is how it works. And Solomon went through quite a lot to come to this conclusion. But we know this is true. Will not give, will not God give justice to his elect? Jesus speaking here, who cry to him day and night. Will he delay over them? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And, and I mean, this is a terrific story that Jesus has told. And he, and he says, it will not be long. It will be speedy. And sometimes we don't see it that way. <clears throat> but I think the important thing that the thing that Jesus is focused on in this story is, will he find faith? Will you trust me? If it feels like this is going on too long that this is wrong. It's this, I don't think this should, should be this way. And, and will I be patient? Will he find faith on the earth? And I, I want that to be true for me, that I'm, I'm patient with God. That, even, that's something, it's a silly statement. But there's something else. And I think this something else also helps us understand and develop the, the notion of justice from scripture. Maybe God is also showing other aspects of himself, not just his holiness and his righteousness in his justice. Does he not punish us all? He does not punish us all for our sins. That's for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. We're familiar with this. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. So we, we saw from the definition of justice that it's about getting what you deserve. Okay? But God is more than just just. And, um, and we see here, it's that uh, he does not punish us for all our sins. 
right? Because he has an unfailing love as well. Okay, so maybe we don't always get what we deserve. And we're glad about that. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So this is interesting. And and we see a lot of it. And I'm going to show you a lot of verses. I'm not showing you all the verses. Because there are dozens and dozens. But where the, the idea of, of justice is combined with the idea of mercy as well. Um, he's gracious in mercy for he's just. That's what this says. Okay. And again, waiting because we know this. <clears throat> so biblical justice is more than just equity. I will betroth to you. I will betroth to you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. So you see the concept of justice in the Bible is combined with also with mercy and love and generosity. Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. It's part of justice to one another. God is just and he, he's also merciful and loving, but we see that he has a special concern for the vulnerable, for justice, for the vulnerable. So we should be this way to one another, but particularly to the vulnerable. And if you were to read through the prophets, even the, just the minor prophets, you see what God cares about. And I think that's the value of reading through those. What does God care about? And one of the things he cares about is the vulnerable. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. We are told to do this. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge. We're also seeing here who the vulnerable are in Bible times, who's described as the vulnerable, the afflicted, the destitute, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. Okay, These are in Bible times, these were particularly vulnerable people and maybe not so much in these times, social security and life insurance and stuff like that, but it it, it doesn't matter. Who are the vulnerable in our times? Give justice. Do not pervert justice. If a man does what is just and right, so here is more on the idea of justice. He does not oppress anyone. He gives bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment, does not lend an interest or take any profit. So the ju- in the Bible, the, the, the definition of justice is, is being expanded. I mean, it's not being expanded. This is how I presented it. It's expanded beyond um, getting what you deserve and, and doing what's right and what's wrong. Not wrong. Doing what's right, avoiding what's wrong, avoiding injustice. Okay. And, and I would say this, that to God <clears throat> establishing Justice. So we talked about um, last week, we talked about how to live justly, have 
have uh, fair weights and measures and be honest and so forth, right? But there's another part of me living justly, and that is to proactively establish justice for the vulnerable. That is an imperative for God, as we're going to see. Not just me, how I live in the world, but what's going on in the world that's wrong and, and I need to act. And, and because God acts, that's, this is part of his justice. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. You know, I think of the good Samaritan who was not just being merciful, but was doing justice, I, I think. Give counsel, grant justice, make your shade like night at the height of noon, shelter the outcasts, do not reveal the fugitive. I mean, think about, <clears throat> I mean, we have to think about who are the vulnerable in our world today. And, um, and, and how, how, are, how are they, how is injustice or how are they treated? <clears throat> um, and it says, grant justice, do justice, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Okay, the destitute, the vulnerable, open your mouth, open, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the right of the poor and needy. This is part of justice, not me just living right, make sure I don't do anything wrong, but but actively doing justice for others who are vulnerable and are needy and poor. Because God has a heart for the vulnerable. Okay, The Lord executes justice for the oppressed gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. This is also part of God, part of justice for God. He does this. He has a heart for the vulnerable. And when Jesus came into the world, Remember the Chaldeans come again to Judah and they ask the king, uh, where is this baby born? The, the king is supposed to know these things because, and these things happen, you know, kings are born to kings and so forth. And he didn't know, Herod didn't know. And the reason is that he doesn't identify with the king. <clears throat> he was born in a manger he, they were poor. They gave two pigeons as the offering, indicating they were poor. His parents were poor. <clears throat> he had no place to lay his head in, in his life. And, and even his grave wasn't his own. Jesus came and lived identifying with the vulnerable, not identifying with the wealthy, but with the vulnerable. Because God's heart is for the vulnerable. So I'm going to modify our definition, the definition of justice that comes from scripture. Justice emanates from who God is, but God is holy and he's compassionate. 
I am holy. And we, we just saw from Psalm 146, the Lord executes justice for the oppressed. So it's these two things that come together from God's character that define what is justice in the Bible. And you know, James chapter one, can't miss this verse in this discussion. Religion that is pure and undefiled. Okay. How I live my life in my, my faith. <clears throat> Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James summarizes justice very nicely. Live rightly in the world. Live purely. God is holy. Live holy. But also um, pay attention to the oppressed, the poor, the vulnerable. And in this example, the orphans and the widows. Those who are afflicted, pay attention to the afflicted and help them. That is justice. That is living out uh, God's character in the world. That's religion. That's true religion. The Lord of hosts is exalted in justice. And that is living our lives to exalting God by living out justice. He is exalted when we live that way. And just like God, in so many ways, that when we do what he, we as servants, he just wants us to do, he also then provides a reward. We don't need that, but that's how generous God is with us. He provides a reward. And so Jesus says this to his disciples, come you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you you did it to me. You who are blessed, we are unmistakably blessed in this country. We are we are blessed. Even poor people are wealthy, according to world standards, which doesn't mean we should ignore them. But we are blessed, and it's being, it's particularly evident, uh, with how, uh, healthcare is, uh, rolled out. And, and we are almost through this, and many countries are at their worst point. I mean, we are blessed. We are blessed by God. And, um, and I think that gives us a responsibility to, to act. And, and, um, and, and what Jesus is describing here, I was hungry, I was thirsty, a stranger, they were naked and sick, and those in prison, th- these are vulnerable people. And so, um, so I asked this question here, I mean, shouldn't we get involved with the vulnerable? Shouldn't we? 
Shouldn't we um, not just, uh, you know, live righteousness and justice in this world so that I am pure and sin free and I'm good. Okay. That, that is, that's not how God lives in this world. God uh, is not just holy, but he's also compassionate to others. And he is particularly compassionate to the vulnerable. And, um, and this kind of statement at the end of our lives, uh, uh, we will be presented with this, uh, that we who are blessed to the extent that we, we helped the vulnerable and responded to injustice, um, we will be blessed in heaven. And we build up treasure in heaven when we do this. And, and he says, uh, you did this for me. Right? And I, and I think that shouldn't we, shouldn't we get involved? Right? Shouldn't we get involved with the vulnerable? And I, I, um, we'll just thought about some things, <clears throat> questions that we might ask ourselves. And there are lots of questions and, uh, uh, so last week when I went home, <laughs> we had our dinner and I, and I said, you know, we spent most of the last, well, well, we had a break from COVID for a little while in the early summer, something else to talk about, um, uh, social issues. And, um, uh, but it's been a while since we talked about that. It's been vaccines lately. Uh, but we talked about this again, about justice and living in the world justly and what is justice. Um, but maybe, maybe today, um, we will talk about, okay, if that is justice, how do I, how can I live in this world justly and, and glorify God, exalt him by living in this world justly? And so some of the kind of questions I asked myself, my dad would say this, you know, if someone asks for a loan, they really need a gift. And to what extent am I willing to extend myself? Should we co-sign a loan for somebody to help them get a car? And what does the word surety mean? What does the Bible mean by that? You know, maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, and how do we draw a fine line between love and enabling? And, and this requires a lot of wisdom. Uh, and I admit this is a difficult question. These are all difficult questions. I mentioned already the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, I think, as a model for living, when we he saw the man and he went to him, the previous two men went away from went away from this. This good, the Samaritan who was ultimately called good, went to him and took care of him and and said, um, <clears throat> I'll be back if there, if it costs any more than this. So it was an open-ended commitment. These are scary things to enter into, but, but they're part of justice. How by an understanding of biblical justice, what's right and what's wrong and what's compassionate advise my politics. Um, And I can see now how, this kind of discussion might excite young Christians. I quoted something from Christianity Today last, last time that said, uh, you know, we baby boomers, we like to study our Bible and know what's 
true. And the millennials want to know, how do I live? And if the Bible, if they're, they, you can get that from the Bible, no question. Um, but you have to get it from the Bible and we have to teach it. How do we live? And that excites young people. And uh, it ex- excites me. So it makes me feel young. It excites me as well, or it's exciting me more. Um, so what we'll do next week is talk about peace and uh, also how justice and peace come together. Uh, because without justice, there, there is no peace. That's true. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, just thank you for your word and some of these things you said that we read today. Lord, ask that, Lord, that that we would understand them and embrace them, that we would live like you did in the world. Um, So ask us, Lord, to understand and, and to live justly in this world. Amen.